Hey everyone, I'm Alexa Golden. And I'm Haley Piper. And And together, together, we are the Gossip and Gratitude Podcast. Tune in each week to get a taste of what life's really like in your 20s. We'll be bringing you all the relatable gossip from getting dumped to landing that first job after college. So sit back, grab some wine, and let's spill some tea. Hey guys, this is Alexa's favorite month, she told me. So, yes. October means. Love me some October. Yes, so in the feels of spooky stuff, we're bringing you a spooky episode today. Yes, I feel like you guys love our conspiracy theory episodes and our. We did a spooky stories episode last year as well. Yeah. So that's some to, good feedback. Yeah. So today we're doing some unsolved mysteries. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's like, like, kind of the theme as of today's day and age right now, specifically because of the whole Gabby Petito stuff. Hey. Yeah. So I feel like um, I don't know. I think people love. And also hate an unsolved mystery because like it's so fun to like read them, but then you're so spooked because that's like, there's that's like the worst outcome ever. <laughs> yeah, it's very you sad. Yeah. yeah. So, but before we get into them, we will give you our gratitude moments. So, yeah. Lex, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'm just grateful for a long weekend, y'all. Of all of our yes. Canadian peeps, happy Thanksgiving to you. Hope you had a good weekend, whether you saw your fam or not but just relaxing i'm just really chilling having a you know a chill weekend just like really not doing much so it's it's just like nice i don't know i love a long weekend i just wish that every weekend was three days i just oh but yeah nice like you don't feel guilty for like having a day of just like relax chill maybe do like the odd task around the house but yeah i don't know i agree i feel you it's nice that's a good one. Um, okay, I'm grateful for our naturopath because usually on weekends where there's like a lot or any sort of events where there's like a lot of fun food being had, I usually get anxious because I know I'm going to have tummy troubles. Mm-hmm. And I truly feel like she has helped me so much because like obviously when I'm indulging, like I'll have maybe the normal bloating or gas but it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be where I would have I'd be like physically ill yeah so I feel like we're just making progress and I'm so happy with that so that's good she's really uh really helping me out so I'm grateful for her that's awesome I'm glad that you are loving it it's been good so we'll kind of get into it but first Lex I just want to know where you are like I just want to know what your thoughts are with the Gabby Petito case like do you think Brian did it I think so, because, like, why the hell would you not cooperate with police and, like, give them as much information as you had if she had just, like, ran away or, like, Mm -hmm. gone missing? Like, there's no way that any loving boyfriend slash fiancé would ever... Go into hiding. Go into hiding and just run away (laughs) and not help the police. Like, I would hope to think that if something were to happen to me... Where, like, I vanished or ran away or something. Like, Sean would be like, what the fuck? And he would, like, help the police and be like, this is what happened. Like, and be trying Mm -hmm. to help find me, not just, like, run away and be like. (laughs) So, I I don't know. I don't know if it was 100%, like, something intentional and something, like, planned. Or if it was, like, an accident. Yeah. But either way, like, I think he knows what happened. And whether, 
And he must have had, like, why would he be so scared to run away if he didn't have some involvement, even if it was accidental? Like, if they were in a fight and, like, something happened. But, like, I don't know. I definitely think it's super sketchy. And I think 100% his parents also know what happened and they know Mm -hmm. where he is. Yeah. Because also, why would they be super sketchy? Yeah, like, there's just so many sketchy things. And, like, I feel so bad for her, like, family. Mm -hmm. Because I can't imagine, like, that having that knowledge that like they know what happened but they just aren't cooperating would be so frustrating like it would be a different level of frustrating than like not having any information i feel like Mm -hmm. because then you'd be like okay this could be all resolved and this could be like we could have closure yeah Yeah. like we could have this closure but like the fact that they're not cooperating and that he's like on the run is like making it so much harder because they know that like he knows what happened and he's just like out there somewhere so yeah it's like you're not getting that satisfaction of like getting justice that would be so frustrating because you know it's like so blatant no i definitely agree with you there and like um i i love i just i love today's day and age i love the internet because i love how like, obviously, the case is awful, but it, I think it's amazing how, like, people band together and, like, the whole dog, the bounty hunter thing getting involved. Like, I I just think it's a whole, like, it's so awesome that people are, like, doing whatever they can to, to, like, make sure, like, her family gets justice and stuff. Yeah, I know. I, I think saw... a lot of, like, tips and, like, things have come out just from the public, which I think is cool. And I think this is obviously a thing that's, like, been happening for a while with like true crime like youtubers mm-hmm. and bloggers and podcasts and stuff like that um yeah i think that it's becoming like people are getting more involved and they want to like help with these things so i think it's just yeah. cool to see it kind of happening like in real time because i think a lot mm-hmm. of the times you're talking about past cases mm-hmm. and stuff but having something like that in real time it's like really interesting to see how the people can really influence like mm-hmm. what happens like when they found the footage of like their van at the campground just from some other vlogger like seeing it while they were editing their video like that's just so crazy and like hopefully this becomes more of like a norm that it can be helpful for other cases as well because obviously like there's Mm -hmm. thousands of people that go missing in all every year right so that's so gnarly i just that's like i think one of my biggest fears because i like to go missing and people just never know what happened super creepy so fucked Oh, gives me the heebie-jeebies, but I I just saw the recent TikTok of like the hand, like the garden. The, yeah, weird. Um, that's so spooky, and I'm so intrigued if he's actually like hiding below the garden. So if anybody doesn't know, I can put that TikTok up this week and see. But interesting, interesting yeah. times. So, but so we'll kind of I think Lex and I both have a couple stories um, of some unsolved uh, situations. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just go through them because I'm going to try to put on my best storytelling voice. So if it's cringy, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go first, Lex, or do you want me to go first? Sure. I can go first. Y'all okay. know I love telling a good yeah, you're spooky good. story, a good mystery, a good conspiracy and a good murder mystery. So yes, this first one I have is an unsolved murder case and I'm Ooh. I for okay this is like every time I tell a story I feel like I've already told it because okay. I feel like I tell we tell like in our conspiracy theory videos but I'm like pretty sure that I have not told this on the podcast so if it's John Benet Ramsey we have <laughs> it's not that because okay. I know we've done that one accidentally <laughs> twice That's so okay. this Maybe is not time. John Benet Ramsey um okay. but it is the murder case that actually also has to do with um, some young 
ladies. Mm, so this this is the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Oh my god, I've never heard of this, so okay. I'm excited. All right, so back on June 13th, 1977, so quite a while ago, uh, three young girls named Michelle, Lori, and Doris were all murdered and sexually assaulted while they were at their Girl Scout summer camp. Oh my god, they must have been young. Yeah, so they were actually all between the ages of 8 and 10. Ooh. So quite young. Um, and this case has never been solved to this day. They still have never charged anybody with this. They still don't know who who did it. Did the deed. Oh yeah. So this actually happened on the very first day at the camp. Um, so the camp was called Camp Scott. And it was a camp that was specifically like made for Girl Scouts. So that was kind of the only people that would use it. Okay. Um, and it had been operating since 1928. So it had been around for a long time. Never had any issues before. Um, so weirdly enough though, two months before the murders actually took place, one of the tents at the camp was actually broken into and ransacked Mm. and there was a box of donuts in the tent and whoever had like broken into the tent, like stole or ate all the donuts that were in this box, but they Mm -hmm. just left like the empty box and in the box, they left a note saying that three girls would be murdered at the camp. Ugh, ugh. And yeah. like, people probably don't take that seriously. No, like, so everyone, like, it happened, and obviously no one took it seriously. They just thought it was some kind of a prank. Someone was just, like, mm-hmm. trying to be creepy and, like, scare everybody or something. Like, obviously they didn't think, especially with, like, the nature of it, like, that they just stole some donuts. Like, it seemed like yeah. a harmless crime, you know? Like, it yeah. wasn't like they did anything super bad, so they just were like, hm, whatever. Um, so, <laughs> on June 12th, the bus drove all the girls out to this camp. And the three girls, Michelle, Lori, and Doris, were all assigned to tent number eight, which was actually the last tent in the group. So it was actually, like, the farthest away from the counselor's tent. And you actually couldn't see their tent from the counselor's tent, whereas the rest of them were all in eyesight from their tent. Okay. Um, So that night, they all went to bed, and... In the middle of the night, um, one of the counselors heard, like, a strange noise. Mm-hmm. She couldn't really, like, describe the sound. Almost like, like, a weird, like, that, like, throaty kind of, like, frog noise. Like, it was, like, a Ooh. guttural kind of noise. Like, she was said it was, like, really weird. She kind of was, like, spooked. So she woke up one of the other counselors and asked if she'd heard it. And the girl was like, no. Like, she didn't hear anything. But mm-hmm. I guess the day before they had seen some men like walking around kind of near the camp like in the woods and they were kind of like weirded out Mm -hmm. so this counselor like was still kind of like on edge maybe like not really sure so she decided to get up and like check the camp just to make sure that like nothing weird was going on and like there was no one up or anything Mm -hmm. so she got up with her flashlight she kind of walked around she shone her light you know, around all the tents, didn't see anything weird, but the noise stopped when she, as she was out there and it just never came back. So she was like, okay. So she yes. went back to sleep. So then this counselor woke up again in the morning and around 6 a.m. she went to go to the showers. And as she was walking down the path that took you to the showers, she ended up discovering the bodies of these three young girls along the trail which was about 150 yards from their tent. So obviously very sad, very traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Um, And police were obviously called immediately, and they ended up evacuating the camp. 
um, that morning and they closed the camp down and actually it's never reopened since then, which for good reason, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So alongside the girls' bodies, they did find a few things. They found some tape, some rope, a gag, and a flashlight. And strangely, also, one of the girls was also missing one of her shoes. Hmm. And they were like, that's kind of weird. Like, they couldn't find Mm -hmm. it anywhere, like, around them. Hmm. Um, So it was determined that Michelle and Lori were killed by blunt force trauma. And they figured that they were probably killed inside the tent. And then removed from the tent after they had already been deceased. And they determined that Doris was most likely killed in the woods outside the tent and by asphyxiation. Oh my god. Yeah, and it also appeared that uh, two of the girls had also been sexually assaulted as well, which is so horrific. Um, So they did find a man's boot prints around the tent area. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also did find uh, a cave nearby in the woods that had some tape, a plastic bag, a newspaper, two random photos of women, like, that they didn't know who they were, and some Mm -hmm. eyeglasses. So that was just, like, some weird shit that they found that they thought maybe could be linked. Related. Yeah. Um, They also did find some fingerprints on the girls, as well as um, some semen they were able to get samples of. Um, Mm -hmm. But all the tests that they tried to do on both those things came back with no results. It came back inconclusive. So they weren't able to figure anything out from that. Um, And the weirdest thing, I think, is that during the investigation, so there's like all these police, all these detectives that came to the camp and they set up shop, you know, investigating and Mm -hmm. scouting for evidence. And they blocked off the area and there was all these people like, you know, obviously the families and everybody. And they ended up, that the missing shoe from the one girl was mysteriously and anonymously returned to the camp that day. And no one saw who did it. Like, nobody saw someone, like, put it down. Nobody saw anything happen. Like, it just showed up in the camp. Oh, God. And it wasn't there before. So, like, super creepy. Um, But, yeah, they never were able to figure out, like, who actually did it. There was a few suspects. Um, There was a guy who was found, like, sleeping in his car, like, a few miles away. They ended up, like, he had no relation. There was a guy who had, like, a ranch nearby um, Hmm. that they ended up clearing him of the murder. Like, all these suspects they had ended up being inconclusive. So, like, still to this day, they never figured it out. And it's just, like, super, super creepy. And, like, especially with the note the two months prior. Yeah. That, like, somebody was planning this. Yeah is like super weird or if it's unrelated that's even creepier so i don't know that's so true it gives me a the heebie-jeebies about like the tent on the end like that yeah. always gives me the spooks like i don't know that's so scary especially like and and overnight camps like i just feel like i don't know that gives me the heebie-jeebies just all around because i mean that is probably an easy target for people like somebody who was wanting to obviously do what he did or whoever yeah. the murderer was right like um that's so gnarly though i don't like that one bit at all but yeah. also yeah imagine that feeling like the shoe shows up and just being like oh god whoever it was was here they were here knew. exactly yeah. like it's amongst them it's so creepy and <sighs> another part too that's like really devastating is apparently the parents of one of the girls i believe it was michelle they mm-hmm. actually found out on the news about what happened <gasps> before no, the police so came fucked. so i'm like that's so gnarly like that's just like oh i can't imagine yeah that's so fucked i couldn't even imagine and also yeah i feel like it's that time that like weird i don't know how it is now i'm not a forensic detective i guess but like are you able to automatically match 
like DNA and semen or is that just because it was the timeline and, and it wasn't able you yeah know? I so think curious. it had something to do maybe with the times but also yeah. apparently they did try to like take the samples again like years later but I guess mm-hmm. the they deteriorated so much like yeah. that they weren't able to do that to do it again so I think yeah mm-hmm. it's that's always the worst of it too is like during I think bef- anytime really before like the 90s or the 2000s like their technology just wasn't as good that i think a lot of murders that are unsolved could have potentially been solved if they'd happened like in modern times it's so crazy like oh i just can't imagine that's a good one i never heard that one before okay are you ready this one's eerie okay so this one i found it's just like an eerie story okay but it's called the watcher house oh so in june 2014 so this isn't even that long ago oh my god I know. Maria and Derek Brodus and their three young children were getting ready to move into their new house, 657 Boulevard in (gasps) Westfield, New Jersey. (laughs) They claimed the six-bedroom house was their dream home. This is like my nightmare of like moving into a a house because I was so scared. I had to ask our uh, realtor if there was any demonic possession, you know, anything. (laughs) So this was their dream home and just and located just a couple of blocks away from Maria's childhood home in one of the top 30 safest cities in the united states oh so three days after closing the sale before the brodus family had even begun to move in a letter arrived in their new mailbox the letter was addressed to the new owner in big clunky handwriting the typed letter read as follows dearest new neighbor at 657 boulevard allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood how did you end up here did 657 boulevard call to you with its force within Ugh. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s, and now it's my turn. Who, who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am the one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Like, imagine getting that. Oh, my God. I would fucking shit my pants. I would have to move. I'd be like, never mind. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So then the letter also mentioned specifics about the Brodus family. You have children. So it says... You have children. I have seen them. The letter continued. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me to your children? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. Ew. Right? At the bottom of the letter, the author used a cursive font to sign the watcher. So after receiving the letter, the Brodus family reached out to the previous family who had sold them the house, John and Andrea Woods. They stated that during the 23 years of living on 657 Boulevard, they had never received a letter like that, except once a few days before they were getting ready to move out of the house. The Woods family also stated they had never felt watched in the two decades they had lived at the house, and in fact rarely felt the need to lock their door at night. While they thought the note they received was odd, they threw the note away without much concern. People just always dismiss these things. I'm like, people, yeah, this what is the hell? Me. I'd be like calling the police, being like, we got yeah. a fucking stalker on our hands. So then the two families together went to the police with the letters and an investigation was opened. 
Um, so the police warned the families not to tell anyone about the letters, including their neighbors, who were all now suspects. So two weeks later, even though the Brodus family still hadn't moved in, they received a second letter with even more chilling specifics about the family, including the children's birth order and nicknames. Ew. The, I know. The watcher also asked, will the children sleep in the attic or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I will know as soon as you move in. It will help me know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. So several weeks later, the Brodus family had put their plans on hold to move in. A third letter arrived saying, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. By the end of 2014, the case had stalled. There was no digital trail and the mental effects were taking a toll on the Brodus family. There were no fingerprints and no way to place somebody at the scene of the crime. Only six months after they received the letters, they decided to sell the home. 657 Boulevard has been sold and is currently off the market with the watcher's identity still remains a mystery. Ew. Isn't that creepy? I know. I'm just like, I just, I'm like, that's so icky. And I just feel like that's, I don't know, maybe other people are normal and they don't have those like apprehensions before you buy a home. Because I grew up always like, my parents always had built, like I'm lucky, but they always had built the home that we lived in. Like there was never like buying a home so even when Gerald and I bought this place I was so like worried about like am I gonna hear demonic noises like and it is creepy because you like you move into a place thinking like oh my gosh I'm excited to meet my neighbors and like you like trust I don't know it's like this weird like you trust the people around you because you all live on the same street you think you're all like maybe on the same page of yeah of stuff but like how creepy you know like oh that would give me such spooks and I also feel like I'd be worried that they would like follow me to wherever I was well, yeah, because, like, how did they even know if they hadn't moved into the house yet? Like, yeah. how did they know all that stuff? Like, that's the right? weird part. I know. That's so icky. And I feel like it's so easy to, even if you're just fucking with people, to scare them with that kind of shit. That's so, like, I mean, I'm even. glad they went to the cops. But Yeah. Like, I mean, I think they made the right choice, but, like, yeah. blah. Ugh, it's so icky. So scary. Very, very creepy. <laughs> Hate that. I liked that one. I know. Okay, the next one I have is about a missing ship, actually. Well, not missing, but um, this is about the SS Orang Medan. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, So I'm sure a lot of people kind of know about, like, ghost ships. Um, I don't really know. Oh, well, they talk about them in, like, urban legends and, like... You know, even movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, that kind of thing. There's Uh, ghost ships, right? Um, So this is actually a true story, an unsolved story about an entire crew that mysteriously perished. Um, So it actually happened a long time ago um, in 1947 when ships traveling the Straits of Malacca, which is located between Sumatra and Malaysia, um, got a weird distress call. Um, So the distress call said all officers including captain are dead lying in chart room and bridge possibly whole crew dead following the message was some indecipherable morse code and then at the end it just said all die and so an american ship called the silver star actually answered this distress call and Mm -hmm. found the orang medan um just like in the ocean just floating but there was no signs of the crew on deck um even when they tried calling out to them tried to like see if there was any motion on the ship see if there was any sign of life but there was nothing um so they ended up boarding the ship um and scattered across the deck 
They found corpses Ew. of the Dutchmans. Their faces were all construed um, in a way that they had witnessed something really, like, oh. crazy before they died. Like, it was like they all looked, like, scared. Hmm. Um, and there was a dog on board, and even the dog was dead. Oh, wow. Um, the captain's body was found on the bridge, and the communication officer was also still at his post, and his fingers were still pressing on the telegraph, but he was dead. Wow. Um, so the American crew went down to the boiler deck to find the same situation, just, like, bodies, dead people. Um, and despite it being, like, super hot down there, like, over 100 degrees, they were, like, instantly just, like, chills running through Ooh. their body. Um, so they retreated back off the ship to their own boat and they towed the Orang Medan to port. And as soon as they attached the tow line, smoke began coming out of the ship. And moments later, it actually exploded and wow. sunk down into the ocean and all the bodies with it, obviously. Yeah. Um, so no one really knows exactly like what happened, why they were all dead. Some people think it could be like paranormal. Yeah. Um, some people think it was like... Aliens or something? You know, aliens. Some people think it was, like, pirates that mm. raided the ship. Mm -hmm. um, but it's just super creepy, and, like, they've never seen anything like it before. Um, so some people think potentially the ship was, like, smuggling maybe some, like, hazardous materials. Okay. Um, and maybe the seawater just interacted with the cargo and maybe caused some kind of a toxic, like, release. Yeah, yeah. And poisoned everybody and killed them. Hmm. Um. But yeah, it's just super creepy, and apparently it was just like very like eerie and creepy, and like they never nothing has ever been like found like that from before. It. Yeah, think of like I, I mean I guess I've lived my life luckily and never kind of had a situation where you come across something that you know something so spooky because I feel like a lot of times like maybe in this situation or in certain situations obviously like police are more prepared to deal with that stuff or like if you're like you're the people the police on the water whoever they are i forget their names but um just think if you were just like a random boater or like a random individual right and you just yeah. come across this like how and i i know i feel like i've heard stories of people that we even like kind of semi know who've like maybe seen a dead body mm -hmm. or stuff like that so i just feel like in that situation too like i just i don't know how people are equipped to come across that kind of stuff you know i know like, how do you cope after <laughs> that's so fucked like i don't even know oh that's spooky that's a, yeah. yeah i like those ones because i also feel like the ocean is so mysterious and mysterious things happen out there so i love a good shipwreck. very yep. good okay so now i have a spooky murder this one i kind of almost like mm, interesting interesting okay so this is called the case of jeanette de palma okay so in 1972 in Springfield, New Jersey. Another spooky New Jersey incident. I did Ugh. not realize they were both in New Jersey, so I ain't never going there, but whatever. <laughs> um, so a dog brought a decomposing forearm to its owner. Also, ah. imagine. Like, oh, that's God. Um, so they quickly alerted police, and this prompted a police search, and a body was soon found. Afterward, atop a cliff, the body was identified as Jeanette De Palmer, a 16-year-old who had gone missing for six weeks. So it says, like rapid fire, rumors about the case, the cause of her death began to spread. The hill where she was discovered was covered with occult symbols, and many were led to believe that her body was placed on a makeshift altar. Many Ooh. locals, plus, I know, even some police members pointed their fingers at a coven of witches, 
otherwise known as Satanists, who were rumored to have used a palma for a human sacrifice. Oh, God. Because uh, creepy, right? Because she's probably like, you know how they're always like, we need the blood of a virgin or something. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't know enough about Satanists if that's proper, like, um, protocol. <laughs> but yeah. It sounds right. Um, so because of a flood, many of the, of course, right? Many of the case's details had been destroyed. However, some reports from local papers mentioned that police couldn't determine the cause of death due to her badly decomposed body. Authorities investigated a local homeless man who was a prime suspect only to find no connection with the killing. Many believe that De Palma may have provoked a Satan worshiping may have provoked a group of Satan worshiping teens at her high school since she was involved with a group that helped drug addicts find their faith in Christ. To this day, her death remains unsolved. So I don't know. I just also, I feel like that's a far stretch, but then why would like the police or many, yeah, many locals plus even some police members pointed their fingers at a witch coven. I'm like, why would that be like a plausible suspect if, if, um, like, I know that there was, like, the occult symbols, but still, like, I, I also don't know if there's any witch covens or Satanists in our neighborhood. Like, do we, do the police just know of those groups of people? Yeah. Like, I'm sure there are some in every city, but I'm just, like, interesting. Like, interesting to think, to to link those two things in the case, you know? But, Ew, that's just super creepy. Like, I don't like that, the Satan whole, like... shipping stuff? Yeah, like, that stuff, like, really gives me the heebs, man. Like, I would never mess with anything like that. Oh, no. So, I know, like, I know. Even, yeah. I can't imagine, like, finding the body where you see, like, these symbols and, like, creepy shit. Like, it would probably yeah. give you such creeps. Like, I'd be like, oh, God. Like... I'd be scared to, like, deal with it and, like, yeah. touch the stuff because I'd be scared that, like, something would then happen to me. Yeah, exactly. Like, some sort of demonic possession. I'm too scared to even, like... Like, I could never do a Ouija board. No, me either, man. Anything. That's too There's scary. No way. That's just asking for bad things. But yeah. I thought it was interesting and spooky because, like, any witchy stuff is spooky, you know? Yeah. So. Freaky. Freaky. I know. Oh, my God. All right. My last one here is another murder mystery case. Um, this is the death of, uh, the unexplained death of Kendrick Johnson. Also, oh, don't, don't think know. I've told this before, but... Um, Kendrick Johnson was a 17-year-old high school student who died on January 11th, 2013. So also not too long ago. Um, Feels like 2013 was like just yesterday. I know. That was our grad year. Yeah. So I guess like he would have been the same age as us, which is really sad because I was 17 um, around that time. Very, very sad. Um, So he was actually found dead inside of a rolled up gym mat at his school. In Lowndes High School in Georgia. Yeah. So the mat that he was found in was positioned vertically. um, And he was actually found inside of the mat upside down with his hands kind of behind him. Um, So the school, this high school, it had two different gyms. It had an old gym and a new gym. Um, And the old gym, they didn't really use it much for actually like gym. It was more just used for kind of like storage and stuff. Um, So they had a bunch of these large mats that were about six feet long and three feet wide, all stored kind of in the back corner of the gym. They were all upright, just kind of stacked. Um, So a lot of kids at the school actually would use this area to like hide their stuff during the day because they didn't want to pay for lockers because you had to pay extra cost so instead of getting a locker they would just like shove their stuff like in these mats or like in behind the storage stuff so that like the teachers wouldn't find it 
Um, and so this included Kendrick and his friends. A lot of they also had mm. they would put their stuff in here and they often would be in the gym. Um, so on the day, uh, he was seen by camera footage. They had security camera footage and it shows him coming into the gym that afternoon about 1 p.m. ish. Um, but the footage is like super odd. It's a little bit like jumpy. Like it almost looks mm-hmm. like it's been tampered with maybe. Um, okay. And one of the cameras uh, actually is missing over an hour of footage from the afternoon. And another one is missing over two hours of footage. So, like, just super weird. Suspicious. Yeah. Um, and there were other kids in the gym at that time as well on the camera. You can see him walk in. And then you can see other kids, like, in the background, like, walking in the gym. So, he wasn't, like, the only person in there at that time. Um, mm-hmm. So, you see him walking in in the afternoon. Uh, and that was the only time he's seen on the camera footage. And then he's marked absent for his last class of the day. And then he doesn't come home after school that day. So he was supposed to go to uh, some kind of a sporting game after school. So his mom didn't think anything of it until about later that night at like 10 p.m. ish. He still hadn't come home. And so she started to get really worried. She went to the school to look around, couldn't find him anywhere. So she called the police. Um, But the police were not very helpful, honestly. They kind of, like, dismissed her, saying, like, oh, he's probably just out with his friends or he met up with a girl somewhere. Um, They just, like, weren't really, like, trying to, like, help her out, really. Yeah. Um, So his mom was kind of frustrated. So the next morning, she went to the school as soon as it opened to go talk to the administration at the office and, you know, ask if anyone had seen him, all that kind of stuff. Um, And while she was there, some students actually ended up discovering his body in the gym mat. Um, so some students were hanging out in the gym that morning and they ended up seeing like a sock sticking out from one of the mats and they were like, what the hell is that? So they got the gym teacher to come and help them and they pushed the mat over and ended up seeing that there was someone inside. Um, and at first they didn't even realize that they, they, he was dead. They tried pulling him out and then realized, uh, that he was already deceased, which is so traumatizing. Um, so... The police figured that he'd been there for about 21 hours at that point, um, and the investigation started. So around his body, they did find, like, his school books on the ground, um, and there was some blood in the mat as well. Uh, They also did find a shoe under his head, so it would have been, like, at the bottom of the mat when it was upright. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they also found another pair of shoes that was, like, tucked kind of by his legs, which is super weird. Um, Uh And so it took police, which this is very strange, it took police six hours to call a coroner after they got there, which is very odd because obviously, like, they knew he was dead, but, like, why did it take you so long? Um, So after their investigation, they determined that the death was an accident. Um, They said that he probably dropped the shoe down into the mat and tried to get it and fell in and suffocated to death. Um, But his parents just, like, didn't believe it. They just thought that, like that there had to have been some kind of foul play and that, like, he was put into yeah. the mat by somebody but either before or after, like, being killed. Yeah. Um, and they said because the opening at the of the mat, like, the inside part was mm-hmm. so small that, like, it was too tight for him to fall in. Like, he would have had yeah. to be, like, shoved in or, like, crawled in or, like, something that, like, you wouldn't just fall in. Like, it was too no. small. Um, no. And also, if he had tried to get something out and got stuck he probably would have started screaming and trying to call for help and somebody would have heard him because there was kids in and out of the gym 
all the yeah. rest of the day. Yeah. And the gym teacher and stuff. So, like, there would have been someone that would have heard him screaming for help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also had some weird scratches on his body and, like, some discoloration on his face and, like, some bruises on his neck and stuff. Ooh, so, um, like, so some, asphyxiation. Yeah, so some unexplained injuries. So, his parents actually ended up hiring, like, a private detective and they got a second autopsy done and that mm-hmm. autopsy did determine that the cause of death could have been from blunt force trauma as well um oh. so it's kind of inconclusive as far as what really happened but to this day the police have just ruled it as an accident um but his parents <laughs> so are still trying to get justice they're still trying to figure out what happened like how did he end up in that mat like how did he really die um yeah. there's just so many sketchy parts to it That's and gnarly. it's just really sad because i think you know, if it had not, he's a, like a young black, like male. And I think that if it, you know, who knows if it had been like a white teenager that had gotten killed, like, would they have tried harder to solve this and to try and figure it out? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so sad that like the justice system really doesn't care as much about cases of people of color. So it's definitely sad and i think a lot of people have that theory that that's why the police were just kind of like oh let's just roll this as an accident because like we don't care enough to try and figure it out which is like really that's sad so fucked, yeah. yeah yeah we were even talking about that with the gabby petito case because like my dad was like well if she was black would it have the same coverage mm-hmm. and i think also i mean playing into that she was an influencer gives it a lot of coverage but no yeah. definitely like that's so so sad and like i don't know that's just gnarly like i just truly don't think like a school like somebody could just casually i don't know like just go somewhere and fall in and yeah not know where somebody is you know yeah. so that's crazy like that one gave me the spooks like, yeah i don't like that super Ooh. sad yeah okay so my last one is called the chicago tylenol murders Ooh. <laughs> have you heard of this no okay it's interesting so on September 29th, 1982, seven people in the Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. area <laughs> ingested poison Tylenol pills, oh. consequently collapsing and dying shortly after. So the seven victims included a range of a young girl who was 12 years old to 35 years old, just kind of a range. And mm-hmm. there was a couple um, people within the same families that consumed the same bottle of Tylenol. So multiple people within a family died. So oh God, yeah. So one victim's name was Adam Janus ingested a Tylenol and died at the hospital. When the family came to mourn Stanley Janus and his wife, Teresa took a Tylenol and died, making it three deaths in the same family on the same day. However, this tragedy is what led investigators to connect the dots. So that was being like, okay, clearly like, it was this, the, Tylenol. the Tylenol is yeah. the common link here. That's weird. So, Why did they take Tylenol when they got to the hospital? Like, that's kind of odd. Yeah, I wonder if the typing of this story kind of skews it. Like, maybe they all just had taken Tylenol and then... Or who knows? I'm not sure yeah. why they... It doesn't really say. But um, So it says, Cook County investigator um, compared the Janus's Tylenol bottle to one of the other victims and had noticed they had one similarity, a control number, MC2880. So Deputy Medical Examiner Edmund Donahue asked um, the private investigator to smell the bottles, and the investigator replied that they both smelled like almonds. The poison cyanide is also known to smell like bitter almonds, which in large amounts can cause seizures, cardiac arrest, and respiratory failure. So the blood test of all the victims showed that they had taken a dose 100 to 1,000 times the lethal amount of cyanide, Uh. which is spooky. 
Um, and it is spooky how like there was like yeah like fair enough the one family but then the other victims were not related like yeah. these people all just had ingested Tylenol. So Donahue spoke to an attorney from Johnson and Johnson Tylenol's parent company, and after all the victims were buried in October first, nineteen eighty two that the Tylenol bottles were intentionally poisoned with potassium cyanide. So immediately, over 31 bottles of Tylenol were recalled by the manufacturer and were issued warnings. They also offered to replace the recalled bottles with new bottles, yada, 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 um, and offered a $100,000 reward to anyone who may have any information on the perpetrator. Um, so yeah, this ended up costing Johnson & Johnson over $100 million dollars because it was just like imagine like not yeah. knowing where this is coming from Ugh, i would never your buy services again also. i know like <laughs> well it says this is the one good thing that came out of this um so it says there were several more copycat deaths across the united states after the initial incident had occurred this less led to the invention of safety seals that you can see on medicine bottles today mm. um it just says yeah so to this day there was no suspect has ever been charged or convicted of the poisonings but it just yeah it said once people had found out about whoever within Johnson and Johnson, whoever poisoned these Tylenol, that there was a spike in similar murders, like which I think is so fucked. Where it's like all these murderers are like, oh, good idea, yeah. I'm gonna do this too, you know. Ew. So I know I think that's so spooky. Which I like, it makes sense that that's why they invented the um, seal because seal, I, you know yeah. how it always says like, don't take if seal is broken. Yeah. Um, so I never really knew why that was. But isn't that so weird? Like, yeah. how spooky. You obviously would tr- want to trust your... You'd never think. You'd just be like, no. oh, I'm going to take this Tylenol because I have, like, a whatever, like, a headache, headache or, or something. Yeah. yeah. I never thought twice about any of that. So now no. I was just like, huh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, I thought that one was interesting. <laughs> but, yeah. Still wow. unsolved. I don't think that one would ever get solved. But Probably not. It's like how. It's like a needle in a haystack. Like, it could be anybody. Yeah. It's like also those deaths that are like, what are the odds that that happens? Like, like a piano falls out of a building on top of you. You pop one Tylenol and you die from it, right? Like, yeah. what are the odds? That's the, that's the freaky shit. Is yeah, like, exactly. It could have been anybody that bought that bottle. Yeah, I hate that thought. So that spooks me a little bit. But yeah, but yeah, that was my last one. And I hope. Uh, I know. I'm like sh- <laughs> now. I'm gonna be extra cautious about when i take pills and be extra like paranoid about my neighbors and yeah super <laughs> spooky never send my kids to uh camp <laughs> camp away camp my parents never sent me to an away camp and i was always like mom what the heck but now yeah, I'm like, i never oh, went to either you. yeah <laughs> yeah oh no, man okay so. well, we hope you guys enjoyed we hope you got a little spooky yeah um, hope you guys are enjoying yeah. the october spooky season and getting ready for a fun halloween yeah let us know if you guys have any other spooky mysteries that you guys like like i don't know yeah let us know if you've heard of any of these stories before and what you think yeah exactly give us your theories because we like to hear and chat with y'all yeah we will be in touch everybody so keep your eyes peeled on the gng page for some updates because lex and i are going to have a brainstorming session here so some good stuff is coming yep okay well happy halloween you little turds bye friends Bye.